0: to find out if it's right for you.
1: Hi, welcome to Horror vs. Reality. I am Anna. This is Morgan. And I am Morgan. <laughs> and we are back. Uh so today's episode is a muck from twenty seventeen versus Christian Bala. Uh this Polish piece of shit. I'm not being I'm not being racist. He is from Poland. Um Yeah. yeah he's just a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit.
2: Polish uh, or not. No, I'm just
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Polish or not. He's a piece of shit. Um, yeah. He uh, is a self-serving asshole. And you will hear all about it uh, throughout how he's portrayed in the film and how uh, he is in reality. Both are assholes. Self-serving assholes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Very arrogant.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, very... Thinks they're the smartest person in the room, but they're definitely not.
2: Yeah, like sociopath yeah. on a yeah. level four out of ten. Yeah,
1: uh, you know that guy in your college philosophy class? Oh
2: my god, that was my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
1: Yeah, he is that guy—the one who speaks up and has arguments with the professor a lot.
2: Oh yeah, that was him. Yeah
1: yeah he's he's that guy. It's also one of my friend, my dear friends who's oh, still God. who's still very much one of my close friends,
2: oh man. <laughs> well, if he's listening, he knows, and if my ex is listening, you know who you are. You, Georgie, you you're not prick.
1: a sociopath. Um, <laughs> but you did enjoy a rousing conversation with our professor. and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
2: gonna name my ex, cause I don't wanna b- put that shit on blast. But you know well, who you are,
1: right? But I mean, yeah, um, Georgie and I are still great friends. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't see him. He lives in Canada. But uh, uh, hi, Georgie. Hi, Georgie. <laughs> Love you, dude. Uh, yeah, good guy. Anyway, <laughs> good guy. <laughs> you um, just compared
2: him to the like no, worst I, killer, or worse no, murder I it's did not
1: all I was saying <laughs> was that he is also the guy who has like arguments with the philosophy professor mm. but not he wasn't I, I, yeah, all right some people may have thought he was an asshole but um, he's not he's a very sweet fellow <laughs> um, yeah anyway
2: well my ex is an asshole
1: that, I don't know which one you're talking about, but I believe you.
2: I've met You, you a know. He, we played, um, I'll, I'll just share a little story just to get off track as okay. usual. Okay. Um, So whenever he was breaking up with me, we were breaking up, He, uh, we played a lot of StarCraft, and he was saying that, you know, you're just a Zerg. And I'm <laughs> He was like, you're a Zerd. You're down in the dirt. You're in with nature. You know, you're you're just natural. And I'm Protoss. <laughs> I'm from outer space. I'm an intelligent species and in race. But oh, really, God. when we look at each other, we're both just Terran. Um, Terran being like the humans on the game. And I'm yeah. like, okay, get your shit <laughs> Get out of here. Go to Florida. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: Fuck him. I do know, exactly... <laughs> yeah, also, you know I that. Also, I definitely game. know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I love that it was uh, StarCraft because we, Mark and I, were just talking about StarCraft earlier.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I fucking love that game, but it yeah. it it's like the... Funniest thing I can never forget it. Like we're sitting in his room and we were like breaking up and just kind of you know trying to be cordial with each other. And he said that shit and I'm like, (laughs) 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 yeah, you're fucking Protoss, you're out in the clouds, man.
1: (laughs) That is the most arrogant, stupid thing. Yeah. Yeah. When they think that when they think that they're being erudite. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're going to get back on track, guys, I swear. Yeah. So I'm going to start talking about the film. Um, As usual, you know, I start talking about the directors and actors first. And as per usual, because there's only a few that have enough notable uh, stuff to talk about. I'm only going to highlight the main characters, uh, the main actors who play the main characters. Um, Yeah. Or we'd be here all day. And nobody has time for that, right, guys? No. Okay. I ain't got time for that. No. All right. So uh, the director's name is Kasia Adamik. Uh, by the way, we may butcher names again because um, <laughs> Polish language is um, hard, y'all.
2: Yeah, that's it's a really <laughs> difficult language.
1: It is. It's very guttural and not in the way that English is. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. I feel like it's a mix of
2: like. German and Russian.
1: That's what I was thinking. Exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, the daughter of... She's the daughter of the Polish film director Agnieszka Holland and Slovak uh, opera director Lako Adamik. Uh, her, her aunt is film director Magdalena Lazarkiewicz. perfect yeah we're gonna go with that Uh, she has worked on a variety of films as a storyboard artist including Everything is Illuminated with Elijah Wood which is such a great book and film Um, the terrible Halle Berry Catwoman film Uh, the Stephen King adaptation Hearts in Atlantis that stars Anthony Hopkins and drumroll please battlefield earth yeah she worked on what is widely considered one of the worst films ever made john travolta plays an alien and it was written by l ron hubbard the creator of scientology have you seen it
2: i have not it is the worst movie it's the worst
1: I've only heard bad things. I've never had a desire. To yeah, turn it it's off. like so, it's so bad that it's
2: cringy, and you like have to turn it off. I suffered through it and was like, "This is fucking terrible." Mm-hmm. It's That's terrible. Okay. Oh man, it's very cringy. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think the only reason that John Travolta is still in Scientology is because they've got dirt on him.
2: And oh yeah,
1: and they won't let him leave.
2: I'm not gonna say he diddles kids, but
1: no, I think he's gay.
2: Oh, he's definitely gay.
1: Him and then Kelly Preston just got divorced.
2: He can I mean, it's everything. totally okay to be gay. Just come out.
1: Yeah. Stop being...
2: Come on, John. Stop closeting yourself. Just... We've
1: seen Saturday Night Fever. It's okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Huh>. Anyway. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna start I'm gonna stop spreading slander about Travolta.
2: Yeah, no, so,
1: no, we're just we're <clears throat> you know poking poking fun. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the actors uh, Mateos Kazuskowicz. Sure. Uh has has Christian Bala. Uh, in 2010, he received the Karlovy Vary Film Festival Award for Best Actor with Philippe Garbach for the role in Pawel Sala's film Matka Teresa Od Kato. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the same year, he won the Zbigniew Sibolsky Award. Um, that's a Polish annual film award given to the best young actors. Uh, it was established in 1969 on the initiative of Wyslawa Kapinska and named to commemorate Zbigniew Sibolski, who is widely considered as one of the greatest Polish actors uh, of the second half of the 20th century.
2: Mm. Damn. Yes. yes. That was um, Christian Bala, right? The one.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so he won that award. I was just explaining the award.
2: No, I'm just saying that's the dude you're talking about because the, the name was just really...
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm talking <laughs> about the actor who plays Christian Bala. Yeah.
2: Okay. okay. <laughs> uh,
1: in 2011, he received an eagle in uh, the category Discovery of the Year for the role in All That I Love. He was also named, nominated in category Best Actor, Uh, Eagles are the Polish equivalent of the American Academy Awards. Now, in
0: 2013,
1: Mateusz was named one of the 10 most promising acting talents in Europe in EFP's Shooting Star 2014 showcase. Uh, He has also been married to director Malgorzata Tsumowska since 2011. They have one daughter named Alina, uh, spelled differently than my middle name, uh, born on the 3rd of December in 2012. And uh, in January 2020, in the film Informer, uh, he landed his first Hollywood role, playing Staszek. Although he plays a Polish gangster, so he's not portraying any American characters yet. Um, The Informer stars Rosamund Pike who played Amy in Gone Girl, and Clive Owen, who has been in a bunch of different films, such as Sin City, Closer, uh, Children of Men. If you haven't seen any of those, Google them, or we will be here all night. Hey, I've Uh,
2: seen that movie, The Informer. You have? Yeah. That,
1: That came out, like, last January?
2: Yeah, it was, like, I thought it was, like, two years ago.
1: It says it came out January 2020. Oh. I guess it's getting close to two years.
2: Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. It's okay. It's good.
1: All right, well, uh, he's in that movie. I did not even notice. <laughs> he, well, I mean, he probably looks different. Yeah. It's the difference of, well, it's only the difference of like three years, but yeah, I don't know what he looks like in the film. Um. Okay, so. They also have a dog named Boris. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sorry, I just saw that on IMDb.
1: Uh, so, Zofia Wichkloss, or Wichkloss, something like that, uh, uh, plays Zosia, uh, Christian Bala's wife in the film. Uh, she's a Polish actress, of course. Uh, she's imp- appeared in films such as After Image and Warsaw 44, and television programs such as Amazon's The Romanovs and the BBC. Uh, PBS war drama, um, World on Fire. Uh, Yes. Uh, Then we have Lucas Simlot as Detective Jacek Solkowski. He has appeared in more than 60 films and television shows since 2000. And as far as I know, they've all been Polish productions. He's not done American or British, anything really, or Canadian. Oh. Or Australian or anything English is what I'm getting at. It's easier for me to see English language things. Yeah.
2: United States of Love is not in English. Yeah. No. I was confused. <laughs>
1: Uh, So, let's dig into the movie, Morgan. Are you... Okay. Okay. So, the opening scene, we meet Christian, who is lovingly looking at this naked woman, and they are lightly talking and touching, and then Christian gets rope. It looks more like a bungee cord, but whatever. And he puts it around the woman's neck, and she jokes with him cautiously but is into it until he ties her feet and hands and starts stroking her with a knife. It looks like a Japanese cooking knife of some variety. Uh, she begs to be let go, but he plunges the knife into her breast instead.
2: Mm, mm, mm. God, that scene, I was just like,
1: oh, my titty. Right? But also, all I could look at is how incredibly fake it looked. Like, yeah. Some yeah, really was... bad practical effects.
2: Like when it zoomed out, I was like, oh, he's going to stab her. I know he is, because yeah. you could see like the clay.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was bad. guys. It was bad. Oh, But he cuts it off. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> while all this is going on, there's a kid watching a news report about a body that has been found. The child is Christian's uh, and his wife, Zosia, summons him by saying, let's go get daddy for dinner, before ascending the stairs to retrieve him. So, wife is on the other side of the door, knocking for Christian to come to dinner, but he's not answering the door, because he's too busy killing this poor woman. Now, Zosia starts to open the door to see what Christian is up to, but he yells, stay out, and slams it in her face, and replies that he needs five more minutes. Resigned to her fate, she retreats downstairs, Uh, He turns around behind the closed door to reveal that he was only writing these terrible things. He has not murdered this woman. There is no woman. Uh, So, he writes a little more, and then it reveals on the computer screen that the title is Amok, just like the movie. Uh (laughs) The next scene is a close-up of cherry pie. It looks tasty, but it's also a rather deliberate dessert choice by the filmmakers. It's fleshy with red fruit inside. You know what I mean? And they're cutting into it.
2: Oh, yeah. It just goes... Yeah. I was like, huh. It made me think of the booby.
1: Well, that's the thing. They transition from the boob... They transition from that to this really quickly. Yeah. Like, Scene in between. And it's, it's very deliberate. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so the whole family is sitting down having dinner. This includes Christian's parents, whom they live with. Uh, His father nags him about not knowing what he is writing about. And Christian lies that he is writing about an intellectual in Paris. Uh, The father dismisses this as something that nobody would read and exclaims that he has a wife and child to support. The following day, Christian, his wife, and their toddler son, Chris, are walking along the beach... Uh, Zosia complains that she's tired and she wants to go home to put Chris to bed. Uh, Christian pulls her close and points to a spot in the water, indicating that that is where the previously mentioned body was found. Yeah, Mr. he, like,
2: grabs her fucking face. He's like, yeah. look at it!
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, calm down, bro. Hey, right, dude, you're really into this. You're really intense, man. <laughs> really intense energy coming off of you. Whoa, quit harshing my mellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she's like, that's sick, and storms <laughs> off. Uh, and he just like grins really happily. <laughs> it's really ghoulish. Uh, next, Christian is in a philosophy lecture. And he is too busy highlighting uh, something about the murder in a newspaper to pay any attention to his professor, who is trying to get his attention. Um, And he's talking about Nietzsche, by the way, the professor is. And the professor calls Christian out for not listening, but Christian happens to be quite well-versed on Nietzsche, as we will see later in the movie. Um, Back to the uh, family home. Young Chris is caught trying to go into his family's room, and begins to cry when he is scolded by his mother, uh, his father's room. She tells him that he isn't allowed in Daddy's room, and reminds him how easy it is to upset Daddy. Uh, the child cries and says that he wants to see the pictures, but she isn't sure what he's referring to. So she sits him in front of the TV, and curiously uh, creeps back up this upstairs to peek into the room. Uh, the door's locked, but she picks it with a bobby pin from her hair, and finds the room's walls to be covered in crime scene photos and, like, stuff about the case. And she's really shocked and starts breathing really shallowly and freaking out. Um, And then, cut to four years later. <laughs> we hear a phone call uh, to the police about the murder of Maurizio, uh, or Maurice the murderer, uh, the murdered fellow from earlier. The voice tells the police that they know who killed him. He wrote a book about it, and all the clues to solve the murder are in the book. It's called a muck. Uh, the tip line clerk brings the murder tip to someone in the back to get it to the new inspector, Sokolsky. So, so the inspector goes up to the cold case files to compare facts from the case to the details of the book, And soon he employs several other cops to comb through the novel to find leads. One in particular, uh, one scene in particular is pretty fun. When the cops complain, "Why not get a literary a literary critic or something? We're not cops. This isn't some dead poet society." Oh, Captain, my Captain. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a great movie. Yeah. Um. So he also reaches out to Christian himself to help with the investigation. He already strongly suspects that Christian is the murderer, but hopes he can get some more information out of him. And he does at first. Christian tells him that whoever killed Razewski had intimate knowledge of the police handbook on subduing and arresting. Sokolsky realizes that a page in the police manual shows the hogtie method that the killer used to a T. Later on, whilst in the car, Sokolsky reveals to Christian that his daughter was killed in a car crash because his wife was overtired, but Sokolsky was too drunk to drive them home. Uh, Christian then reveals that he knows the police suspect him of the murder and asks the inspector if he feels responsible for his daughter's death uh and he reacts poorly to this uh christian's kicked out of the vehicle in the rain he pushes him up against the car calls him a scumbag and in that exact moment staring him in the face christian with a big smile on his face is like you know that scene in my book where the killer takes off his gloves well my gloves are off i confess i am the one who killed razuski and he's just grinning ear to ear just thrilled at himself Uh, Yeah, it's 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 pretty chilling, honestly. Yeah, it's it's, and he's
2: like one tear streaming down his face or it's rain. I don't know. It's rain because his face is covered in
1: rain. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's like really intense.
1: Yeah. Uh, (sighs) So Christian is arrested and taken to an interrogation room. But the police chief tells Sokolowski that he will have to let Christian go as the book is not sufficient evidence to get a conviction. And in a very weird power play, Christian eats the paper he's given in the interrogation room to confess on?
2: Yeah, that was weird.
1: Was he weird. eats
2: the shit out of that paper.
1: He does. He eats it's it like... It's a
2: big piece of paper.
1: It is. It's he like used... a
2: legal print.
1: Yeah, It's ripped into like three pieces and he just shoves it in <laughs> there like it's a fucking Big Mac. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, after this, Christian goes on a publicity tour, hawking his book, but more importantly, proclaiming his innocence. Uh, meanwhile, Christian's ex-wife, Zosia, is called to their son's school for his behavior. He wrote, go to hell, you stupid cunt, on the back of his homework. Uh, his mother tells the teacher that seven—that he's only seven years old, and uh, she kind of drags him off, and they leave angrily. Upon arriving home, they find a copy of a muck left for them with the inscription, To My First Fans Love KB. The nerve of this fucker.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh.
1: He's he also, just like, Read my book. Read yeah. my book. <laughs> He's so fucking desperate. He reeks of desperation.
2: Here, you six year old kid. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, like me, like me. Get, tell uh, your mom. Tell your mom I'm cool. Yeah, basically. Uh, he also continues uh, his reign in the spotlight, having a book reading, and he delights and smiles as he reads the most shitty, in style and character, writing you've ever heard. His smile drops his, as he notices his wife in the audience, and she leaves clearly disgusted. Uh, back at home, he holds a knife. Uh, she holds a knife and quivers as someone pushes a slip of paper under the door. And it's a police card with a muck written on it. Uh, Down at the police station, Sokolsky describes the book as pure evil and says everyone should stay away from it in response to Christian's ex's wife's ex-wife's refusal to read it. Uh, Here we discover discover that Sokolsky didn't come to speak to her about it and slip the piece of paper under the door at all. It was Christian, in fact, who left the business card. Uh, startled by this discovery, Zosia rushes off to go check on her son, and he's, ang- uh, the inspector is angered by her reluctance, and he goes off to cr- see Christian's parents, uh, in hopes that they may know something, or be able to shed light on the crime. Uh, the father, like, basically gets vodka out, or it's made with cherries or something, but they call it vodka in the subtitles. You know what I'm talking about, Morgan?
2: Yeah, the um, it's actually uh sour cherry like schnapps. Um,
1: yeah,
2: I can't remember the real name of it is uh, uh, Wis- Wisniak or Wisniak is Polish sweet cherry liqueur.
1: Yeah, so they're knocking these back. Like, our uh, our inspector has a drinking problem and he is not refusing these, <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: a lot of the Eastern European countries, they uh, ferment their fruit for, like, schnapps or brandy-type drinks.
1: Hey, there's nothing around with that. It's
2: really so fucking good.
1: Yeah, those are I've had good. this. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I
2: oh, couldn't nice. remember the name of it. It's good. Excellent. It's really fucking strong, so I don't know how they were knocking them back like that.
1: Well, they're Polish.
2: Yeah, you could see them, like, s- the setup in the background, like... I have a family member that used to do that and it, the whole house would stink. Those uh, big big uh, jars, those big glass looking jars with the hoses coming out of it and he's like making yeah. his own liquor.
1: So it probably stunk in there, huh?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so uh, he starts talking to Mr. Bala about Christian's book. He learns that Christian described the book like this it's like an onion you have to peel back the layers to understand it yes christian bala <laughs> described his self-serving circle jerk murder book in the same <laughs> way that shrek describes ogres <laughs> uh, mr bala tells Sokolsky that christian is good with fixing things um computers and telephones mostly and that he would fix broken ones and then sell them for money. This sparks something in the detective's mind, and he hurries off. Back in his car, he rings up a fellow detective to look into Mr. Bala's Allegro account, because Christian has been using his father's account during the time he was writing his book. Allegro is basically Poland's eBay, for anyone who isn't Polish. And judging by our analytics, that's 99% of our audience.
2: Yeah, I had no
1: idea what it was. And I, I mean, I figured it out after watching the movie. But. Sure. Uh, but yeah, but shout out to our one Polish listener.
2: <laughs> we have one.
1: We love you. Yeah. We love you. And your uh, liquor. Yes. Uh, so while well, still on the phone with his colleague, Solowski. Um, Solowski. Sokolowski. Solkos- oh my God. Sokolowski. <laughs> Jesus, Mary. Okay. Sokolowski arrives at his home. And he, like, cat-like creeps into his own home with his gun drawn, and uh, he hangs up the phone, like, on his colleague, uh, and he pushes his bedroom door open enough to catch his wife and an unnamed lover going to pound town. Oh, fuck, yeah, it's, like, really hardcore doggy-style sex. Yeah, I was going to say, I phrase it like this because they are going at it doggy style, hard and fast.
2: And she's wearing pretty cool lingerie. She
1: <laughs> is. This is not lovemaking. This is <laughs> This is hardcore fucking. Yes. Uh, he looks away in disgust and then he shoots. And he drives off in a hurry just as the cops are on the way to the house. He stopped off at a roadside diner. Uh, the inspector has a beer and checks into a motel for the night. It's here we learn that he didn't kill his ex-wife or the lover. He just kind of shot at them or off in the house. Uh, And we discover through this, uh, we discover this through an angry and horribly toxic phone call uh, between him and his wife. He calls her a slut and a cunt several times and tells her that he was this close to killing her and her fuck toy. Uh, she reacts so rather calmly to all this. It's my house, too. I didn't know you were going to be there. Uh, you know, needless to say, the separation is not going great. Uh, the last time a guy talked to me like that, he nearly got his nose broken. Not by me. I'm a pacifist. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. It was eat you. No. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My point is, nobody should take that line down, and she's just so zen about it. Uh, he tells her to leave the house and to never come back. And she replies, you need to stop living in the past. <laughs> I know. That was like, ooh. Yeah. Stop blaming yourself. You deserve to be happy, too. And he fucking throws the phone in response, breaks a glass of booze, and just catches a fit, basically, and isn't having a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like a classic drunk murder detective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to- <laughs> totally. Uh, Your cliche. Yeah,
2: uh, I mean, I was expecting like a scene where he gets his gun and just starts tapping his forehead and it's like a shadow (laughs) cast from like a low, low shot.
1: (laughs) Like, like when Brad Pitt starts unraveling towards the end of seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Totally, totally. (laughs) Okay, so now we see a close-up shot of a door in a shabby building with the words Abandon all hope, those who enter here. Famously, these words are written over the archway to hell in Dante's Inferno, in case you didn't know. Uh, Inside, we see a bunch of hedonistic partiers doing drugs, dressed provocatively, and then here's Christian. (laughs) He appears to be trying to acquire pills from one of the guys at the party, and he's agitated that they don't seem to have the exact pill that he's looking for. Uh, he looks over to see- and sees a woman convuls- convulsing on the floor. Uh, one of the guys yell over to her. Hey.
2: Don't hey. die here.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, before looking around and asking what she took. And then uh, the other guy says, uh, Mephadrone, I think. So Mephadrone is a stimulant. <laughs> Uh, classed among new psychoactive substances, a range of drugs that have been designed to produce effects similar to those of established illegal illicit drugs. In this case, it mimics cocaine most closely. Uh, And then they turn back to that first uh, girl who's convulsing on the floor and the guy goes, Hey! Wait until you get home! Don't die here! Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was like okay that's
2: that's sweet that's, <laughs> very I mean, classy very classy party
1: yeah right but you know what it made me think of it made me think of when um, John Travolta's character takes Uma Thurman's character to uh, the, the, the old dude's house
2: oh yeah he's like why'd you bring this like dead bitch here
1: why'd you bring her here she, she can't die here You uh, can die in my living room, man. Yeah. It made me think of Pulp Fiction, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Because it's people in the drug world. They're like, look, she's just another junkie. They can't die here, man. I can't have a dead body in my apartment. Get out. (laughs) That is really how they roll, by the way. Yeah. Okay, so... uh, Christian looks over, and one of the guys goes, is she... Is she dead? And Christian says she's alive. She's shaking. They laugh. Listen to Christian. He knows what a dead body looks like. It's unclear if they're just joking with him about the controversy around his book, or if they're people that actually know he's a murderer. But I'm leaning towards the former, not the latter. Um. Then this sloppy, strung-out girl recognizes Christian from TV. And takes him to the bathroom for sex.
2: Yeah, and he is fucked up at this point.
1: Yeah, he's it fucked up. It made me
2: feel like I was on drugs.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? He's <laughs> fucked up. She's fucked up. Uh, she asks him if he will choke her. And, ima- and he starts to imagine that she is his ex-wife. Uh, he begins to choke her as she asks, Hurt me. Kill me. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he snaps back to reality and he hears that cops are like breaking into the party. So he beelines it out of the bathroom upstairs past a bunch of dancing people, uh, warns the two pill heads from earlier and jumps out the window to a lower story balcony. Uh, He smiles as he hears his friends yelling about not wanting to go to jail for possession. My buddy Robot got 25 years for possession, man. Yeah, they kept saying that. (laughs) They did. Well, I mean, that's drug addicts for you. Yeah,
2: like, kept screaming it.
1: Yeah. So the pill heads are whining about the lack of a fire escape and being afraid of heights, while Christiane is standing on the edge of the balcony, and they are at least five stories up, probably higher.
2: I think they're higher than that, because the building across, I could count, I think it was like 12. I can't remember.
1: I knew it was at least five, and I didn't feel like counting, so...
2: Yeah, the... Um, high, he's high up. Yeah,
1: high they're high. really fucking high. Yeah, it's high. So he pulls his phone out and texts Zosia, the living being is only a species of the dead. It's
2: <laughs> so fucking stupid.
1: And it's a quote by Nietzsche. It's uh, still stupid. <laughs> no, I know, but remember, he loves Nietzsche. He wants <laughs> like-
2: Nietzsche. I'm a philosopher. God he's, is dead.
1: He's such a nerd. And not in a good way. Like the, the negative term of that word.
2: Yeah, it's like, I read three philosophy books, so I'm a philosopher.
1: I'm... Again, uh, we all know this guy.
2: Yeah, the postmodern philosopher.
1: Who works at Starbucks and is <laughs> never going anywhere, Tommy.
2: <laughs> And plays bass in bands until he gets kicked out because he's a little bitch.
1: He plays bass in a ska band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm calling out somebody there, probably. Somebody yes. feels somebody feels so seen. <laughs> somebody feels hurt right now. He
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. called <laughs> me a bitch.
1: Yeah. He uh anyway. He then turns around and sees the cops and a bunch of are staring at him from the windows.
2: I like how they're saying jump. There's like a few people are like, jump, do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. A bunch of them are going, jump, and laughing at him. And then he starts laughing, and he's just totally lost touch with reality. Yeah, he's um, tripping face. Yeah, he was tripping balls. So he bursts into his attorney's office the next day, declaring that he will take a polygraph. Uh, admitting that he was the one who called the tip-in about his book in the beginning of the film uh, because his book sales were low, and he had to do something. He also tells his lawyer that he lied about Sokolsky kidnapping him at one point and torturing him, all just for attention. So now Christian is being polygraphed, and uh, he's doing a breathing technique that we see represented as him floating in water. And this floats over to an underwater car, and the inspector's daughter is screaming inside. And then Sokolsky startles awake, to water leaking down on him from the ceiling. It's a pretty good transition. Yeah, um, it is. I liked it. Yeah, and then the inspector gets a phone call from his colleague informing him that Christian has just finished taking the polygraph, and they are waiting for the results. Naturally, he rushes down there.
2: Before that he vomits everywhere.
1: <laughs> he does he does do that. He does that. Um so naturally he books it down there. Christian has passed the polygraph. And the only real evidence that they have is that Christian sold an OKA on Allegro that happens to be the same model that the victim owned that was never found by the cops. Unfortunately, it's not enough to charge him. Uh, Christian is released and the police chief tells Sokolsky that. Their little book club is over. Cut to a visibly sleep deprived inspector driving to the middle of nowhere smoking a cigarette. He stops and opens the trunk to reveal that he has kidnapped Christian and he has rope. Uh, he, pus- he pushes Christian toward a river and he hog ties Christian uh, just like he did to his victim. Our inspector pushes his head down under the water and then brings him up like a water. Technique sort of and says, They'll never believe that I kidnapped and tortured you twice. You fucked up. Uh, they're both so unhinged at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but detecti- the detective then starts remembering his daughter drowning and he pulls Christian out and resuscitates him. Um, Zosia leaves a voicemail for Sokolsky about Christian's creepy text message and asks him to come over. So later at Zosia's, Sokalski tells her that quoting Nietzsche is unfortunately not a crime. <laughs> uh, and while at is, he like, walks over to her and on the counter, he's like, oh, where'd you get that knife? Because it's a distinctive sushi knife. Not unlike the one mentioned in a muck. Um, she tells him that she got it for cooking school. Uh, for sushi specifically. Um, then the te- the detective, like I said, he's really sleep Deprived while she goes to feed her son, he passes out in the chair, like with a lit cigarette. She picks up the cigarette and kind of starts smoking it. And then, like, a little bit of time has passed, and he wakes up to see her basically changing clothes in front of him. And she's like flirting. She's like, I think Oh, yeah,
2: like, hardcore.
1: She- oh, yeah, she's like, I've always liked older men. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she's thirsty. She's,
1: she's real thirsty. And it's this <laughs> weird blend of giving him. Helpful information and sexual energy, and it's wildly inappropriate. But our inspector has been off the rails for a while now, and they fuck on a table. It, it's uh, a good fuck. It's a good fuck, yeah. They seem, <laughs> they seem happy with it. Um, the camera. Not the kid in the corner. <laughs> I was about to say, the camera pans I'm to sorry. young Chris watching them. And then the camera pans to the TV, and now we're in the future and we're watching Christian's trial. And another transition to Christian in jail getting a letter from Sokalski saying that he is looking forward to his next book. That's that's it. They just kind of wrapped it up real fast at the end there.
2: Yeah, the 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 scene with the kid though, I felt so fucking bad. He's like just watching his mom get railed by this old cop.
1: Yes, and like. I mean, the kid's already clearly going through some shit from his father, you know? <laughs> yeah. This poor kid is going to grow up to be like his dad, probably. Yeah,
2: just at least take it to the bedroom or, like, wait till the kid's gone. Make sure he's not in the house if you're going to get real.
1: Yeah, um, like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that scene in Orphan where they they just start banging in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. God. God. And- what the fuck, guys? Don't just bang. Like, if you have children, don't just start passionately banging in the kitchen if your yeah. kids are
2: home, especially like kinky, like hardcore stuff.
1: Like, I promise, having been a child that just walked in on my parents, uh, yeah, we, it's like we have a I, I don't know a sixth sense about it. We don't yeah. know that we're gonna walk that we're going to, you know, have our eyes burning forever. <laughs> just know that we should go towards this room in the yes. house. <laughs> you can hide nothing from your children. <laughs> yes, seriously. They find No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we're going to take a quick break. And then Morgan's going to tell us about this piece of shit's real life.
2: Oh, God, he's such a piece of poop. He
1: is. Ugh.
2: I'm so glad we're going to get it over with because I've been reading too much on this dude, but.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" To find out if it's right for you.
1: Me too. I'm so sick of Christian Bala.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: So, listen yeah. to us after the break.
1: Yes. Bye. Bye. Hi, we're back. Morgan, let's do it. Aha,
2: uh-huh. we're back. And um, we're talking about. Uh, the real life killer, um, Christian Bala, also known as the novel killer, um, as they call him, haha, <laughs> get it like novel, novel killer, yeah, stupid. Um, he really was an asshole, like the movie portrayed, he really was it and is still that type of person since he's still alive, he is still in prison. Um, I guess he should. Be able to be released at some point because he he did get twenty five years in prison, um, and I like we were talking off um, before we started recording. I'd say the movie is pretty accurate, but like you said, they uh, they Hollywooded it.
1: <laughs> they did. They Hollywooded it on up. Yes. Can I just say something about the last scene, the last couple of scenes in the movie? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So the big the the big fuck scene with the wife and the <laughs> Yeah. Um I'm, I thought of this earlier when I was high. <laughs> like when I was but you know, if he wanted to, he could rub it in Christian's face like Haha. I fucked your wife. I found <laughs> her Now you're getting twenty five to life. Woo.
2: <laughs> Thank you, I... drugs. I hope he did that. (laughs) Me too. Um, But in my research, I do not believe that um, the detective uh,
1: fucked his wife. Um, No, I highly doubt that. (laughs) Yeah,
2: no. Um, I do believe that he really did have a wife and like we said, I think a lot of this um, backstory of the daughter was false. Couldn't find anything on it because it's i'm pretty sure it's it's false that
1: well it's also not relevant to the case really yeah too yeah
2: um but he is interviewed a lot um i watched a documentary on um this case and he has been in two or three um like t made for tv shows um there's dark crimes is one, and the other one is killers behind the myth, and they're both uh, about Christian Bala. Um, I watched
1: the killers behind the myth one.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's, Jacek Robluski is the um, that was his real name. Um, in like I said in the movie too, a lot of the names are changed. I think I think that's like a Polish law. Um, yeah, the uh, first because- name was the same. Yeah, and a lot of the Polish, like, interviews and stuff, uh, a lot of people's faces are blurred out, even the accused. So
1: Yeah, it's like um, uh, a privacy law.
2: Yeah, it's a privacy law that, well, I mean, in the United States, we don't have that. We put everybody on blast.
1: We do. We do <laughs> love to do that.
2: To yeah. Yeah, even fucking victims that are still alive and, like, Oh, yeah, what's I'd,
1: also you know. awful about this, what we do in America, is that, you know, somebody will get accused of something, and they won't even, they'll end up not even being the killer, but then their life's ruined. Because yeah. people think that they're a killer or something.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't even get me started on the, the Reddit and the Boston Bomber. That was...
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a tangent for another day, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. So so i'll start out with the murder we'll do it a little bit different this time um so just like the movie like with the scene where he's floating through the river i don't think he floated through the city like that first um first scene shows yeah. where that that body like floating in the, under the water and like coming up and um
1: it's, no, I think that was artistic licensing.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, so um the actual crime um it the body was found um, in the water. okay, so like that scene at the beginning that's uh, that didn't happen. um Darius i I'm gonna butcher the names, I'm sorry. Darius. Janinewski. Um he was the victim of Christian Bala. He was a 35-year-old advertising company director. Um, he was married, no kids. Um, he was pretty young and successful. The movie portrays him as an older businessman, um, but he, he was a well-liked guy. He um, played in a rock band. On the weekends, uh, he made music and he was like a well-liked guy by all of his friends and co-workers. Um, nobody knew of any um, enemies he had. So when his body uh, was discovered by fishermen on the banks of River Audra um, in the early morning hours in 2000, December of 2000, Um, They were really shocked that he was found the way he was. Um, He had already been missing for more than a month at this point. And when the police arrived, his his corpse was like badly tortured. It was bloated because he was in the water for so long. Um, But they did see that he had multiple bruises on the face. He had stab wounds. And, um, the pathologist later would report that, um, he had to have been without food for at least three days because when they found his body, um, his stomach was empty and his intestines were completely empty of food. Um, it was also, yeah, so he was kept for a few days and was tortured, um, horribly. Um, right. And they also found water in his lungs. So that means he was alive when he was placed in the water. And like the movie, that that um, way of tying someone up, it's like around the ankles and the wrists, and then the rope is like a noose around the neck. So if you are to wiggle at any point, it pulls, like if you move your legs, then it tightens around your wrist, which pulls tighter around your neck. So he could have strangled himself if he moved his legs too much. Like it would have just snapped back and it could have broken his neck. Um, So he had been found with one piece of rope there. And there was like no clues at the scene. Um, Nobody had seen anything like this like it was very strange in poland especially in this area um they were thinking at first that it was like a gang crime or like a mafia crime because of the brutality of it but the way that he was stabbed so many times they were like somebody really hated this guy but when they were investigating he was like super loved so they're like okay this is strange um
1: i have something to interject they actually yes. they actually say in the movie christians character does he says you know that's how killers get caught having a motive
2: ha huh. yeah and like it's in his book too he mimics that way I, I guess that thought of it being motiveless, but he's just so arrogant that he couldn't admit that he was jealous. And I think yeah. that's what it boils down to for Bala. Yeah. Um, so Januski's body was so deteriorated and horribly tortured. Uh, his his widow refused to identify the body, so uh, Januski's mother had to go to the morgue And identify his body. But the only way they found it. Was a birthmark on his chest. Um, That's the only way. She identified him. And they they say it in the movie. That is accurate. Um, And that's how they identified him. And that is also in the book. As well. Um, Although the the book in real life. It's a female. That gets murdered. Not a male. Um, Uh,
1: It's the book in. It's a female that gets murdered in the book and the film as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very similar. Um yeah. And um, he doesn't cut off his he he never cut off his breast. He did stab him in the side. <gasps> um. So, so after this. They were questioning everybody. It was a pretty big case at this time already because it was just such a mystery and the media dubbed it the perfect crime. Um, And it was around, I guess, May of 2001. um, They completely abandoned the case. So it happened December 2000 by May. They were like, okay, we have no leads. We have nothing. Um, and they actually showed this case several times on the crime TV show in Poland. It's like, um, America's most wanted, but the Polish version, I guess, um, it's called, uh, nine, nine, seven, like TV crime show, nine, nine, seven. I think, um, they, they actually, is that what
1: they dial to call the police?
2: I believe so. I think that's what it what it is, um, and it's very popular over there. Uh, they kept airing it, um, like they would just have a little blurb of it, or like a whole show about this murder because there was no leads, and he was a good guy, and they were like, "We need to find the killer because this is one sadistic motherfucker." Uh-huh. Um, so they kept, um, even nine nine seven was getting comments about the murder um all the time randomly and it would usually be a man calling uh to report some like single bit of evidence to them so um it was still relevant but the police had nothing to go on so they shelved it it wasn't until about a year later um so i guess almost 2 or 3 years after the crime um there was there was a break in the case. Someone had called um, anonymously and had left a tip. So the police officer that was Jacek in the movie um, Roblosky, he had picked up on this tip and was like, "Okay, well, maybe we should revisit this file." And sat down and looked at the files. And that's when they noticed that um, he always had a cell phone on him. And he always had credit cards. So it definitely wasn't a robbery. And they didn't think it was a gang-related fight. He was like, no way. This is not a gang-related murder. Um, this is like a definite murder with a purpose. Um, so he started out... Um, looking for this phone Um, and he found that the phone had never been found or returned um, but hit the victim's wife or widow um, had kept the receipt to the phone which led to it's sort of like a VIN number for a phone Um, And if that phone is in use, that VIN number can be searched. So he actually looked up the VIN number and saw that the phone was in use still. So he's like, hmm. So he went back and found that this phone had been sold like, I think, five times, four or five times. Um, So he eventually traced it back to Bala. And he had to go through all these different people first, like to vet them and say, did they have anything to do with it? And he finally got to the last one and it was Bala. And so he had questioned the guy that bought it from Bala and the guy who originally bought it said that he had bought it on, um, online for around 60 or 70 euros back then. It was like a Nokia, (laughs) those
1: were about that expensive back then because I had to buy mine outright because my parents would not buy me a fucking cell phone
2: yeah those things were indestructible too so they
1: were were.
2: yeah um so they found that the um the phone was sold online and it was sort of like the book that was also um that the knife was sold online um So, in reality, it was the phone that was sold. There was not a knife ever recovered. Um, So, he questioned Bala. Bala portrayed himself as a uh, writer um, and was just this intellectual man who had been traveling for years Um, because it wasn't until about three years that he even got to speak with Bala. Hmm. Um, so he even went back on the phone call log and traced a call back from Bala's, um, like from the family, because apparently in Poland, their, um, their like public telephones were recorded. Hmm. Um, so it recorded all the numbers, That had been called and they noticed on this telephone box that, uh, a bunch of Bala's friends, family, and colleagues were called around the same time that the victim's, uh, cell phone was called. Um, which I thought was crazy. Um, but yeah, he like looked up those IP numbers connected it to Bala. Um, that was actually circumstantial. So he started ha- uh, questioning Bala's family and friends. He, he didn't want to get them involved at first, uh, but then when it started being more likely that Bala was the person and he started questioning them as well, he learned about his blog. Um, so he went on the blog and noticed that there were excerpts of Amok, the book. And there were very detailed descriptions of the murdering of the the female in the book that matched the crime. And a lot of the details had never been released. Um, So it was kind of strange that he had that kind of evidence or um, that kind of outlook at the crime. Um, And it was just so mirrored that he was like, this is definitely Bala. Bala. So he went to uh, Bala's parents' house, and he had found that Bala had left a bunch of stuff. Um, after, it was like a year after the murder. He had moved out of the country, and he was traveling around Asia and the uh, United States. So this was five years after the crime. Because this this whole detective work took a total of like, three years for them to actually find physical evidence that linked him to this guy because this whole time Bala's like no never met him don't know who he is meanwhile um, friends are saying that Bala had threatened his ex-wife and all of her boyfriends he like went off on her said he was going to kill her and her boyfriends um, because he was just like super jealous so so when the detective goes to Bala's parents' house, he actually found a notebook that detailed some information about the victim, um, and he also found a business card, uh, and he found that pen, like in the movie. It says that the wife had it, but really it was the family. They, they just kept all of his belongings in a box. Um, so... They found a literal box of his trophies. Yeah. Um, But, like, this whole time, like, Bala, like, his character, he's like a caricature of himself. Um, Yeah, absolutely. He's very egotistical, and according to, like, court testimony from people that knew him, he was always, like, a confrontational dude even from being a small child until college he seemed to rub people the wrong way and get into fights or arguments with people and he did study philosophy in college and he thought that he was like this super knowledgeable superior guy uh, very egotistical
1: he called himself um, an ubermensch in the in the movie
2: yeah I'm pretty sure he probably called him an Ubermensch in real life because he was, like you said, he was obsessed with Nietzsche. Um, so he he was called, uh, he was said to have a legendary reputation, whatever the fuck that means. Um, they said he had m- moments of being a really, really great guy and then moments of being a super, super bad guy. Which is the way of the narcissist. Uh, yeah,
1: they're, they're nice to you to get what they want. And then you say that they're total pricks.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then, then he turns on you and uh, manipulates you and, and lies. Like, everybody's description of him was like, he's a fucking liar. <laughs> he, uh-huh. he is a liar. Um, so... Even people that knew him his whole life testified to this, him being a liar, him being like this way more important person than he really is. Um, Self-important. Yes, self-important. I mean, (laughs) Uh, he he actually went to college and like was this party guy for a little while. And then he married his childhood sweetheart, uh, Stasha, at 23 And she had dropped out of high school and was a secretary at some company. Um, And shortly after that, they actually had a son. Um, And then after that, Bala and her started fighting all the time. He was uh, having affairs with a lot of women. Um, But he was super jealous of her. Like if she left the apartment with her son or without her son or whatever, he would just, like, blow up at her. Like, he just thought that women should just stay home and take care of kids. Meanwhile, he can go out drinking and getting drunk and having these affairs with all these women.
1: Male, shamaness pig. Yes, yes,
2: he definitely was. Uh, He was super, like, Um, Mm anti-woman. And, I mean, he, the book, like, I can't read it, you know, it's in Polish. It never got translated into English. Yeah,
1: I have I have a PDF of it. In English? No. In, oh. in Polish
2: <laughs> Oh yeah, in, in Polish. Um yeah, it was supposed to be published in English, um, just because the amounts of people who were buying it once this blew up on TV that he was a possible suspect. Um, like it increased to, like, tenfold. Like, it was a best-selling novel for a while, which is crazy.
1: Uh, well, I mean, you know, like, his intention in the movie, it, it worked, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I, th- like, we'll get to the, I'll get to this later, like, what I really think. But, yeah, like, did he want to get caught or not? I don't know. Um, But, uh, after the child, I think the kid was, like, five or six or something, um, he started a business. It was, like, a professional cleaning company. Um, and he was, like, really into this company, but he never really was good at anything. Like, he thought he was this, like, God's giving gift to the earth. Um, and he just wanted this image of being an intellectual businessman who's, like, read up in the arts. Um, He's such a wannabe. I know, yes, it's so frustrating. I'm like, dude, you're a fucking loser, you're a loser, you're a dick. um, so that business failed, and then his wife filed for divorce in nineteen ninety nine um and then blame her yeah, and then the summer of their split, um she was having an affair I wouldn't say an affair. She's not having an affair. She was banging a married man, which ended up being the the victim. So there there are mixed reports, but in the court files, it says she was she had a brief affair with this guy. Um, well, that's so yes, yeah, so there's motive right there. So he ended up following her to a bar and threatened to kill her and uh, quote her men. Or, or her boys. I can't remember. Um, and then he yeah, found sounds,
1: out... You know what? That sounds more like what they do with the detective's character in the film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's why it, like, drove the movie, I guess. Like, with these... Mm-hmm. Um... So, um... He had threatened her um in front of people and... Um, one person came forward to say, yeah, I'm like best friends with his ex-wife. And one night at the bar, uh, Bala came up to me and was asking me about the victim. And he was asking him, uh, where he lived, like who his friends were, where he worked. And apparently this woman just told him everything, and just described everything about him. I, I guess she didn't think he was being like, you know, um, like he was going to kill him. She thought that he just wanted to know who her his ex-wife was with. So she ended up giving him very detailed in, in information. And she actually worked to the prosecution on this, too. Um, So all these clues started coming together. A lot of them were just circumstantial, um, but the physical evidence of him having the pen, the business card, everything else, and his um, holding, like, that pretty much was like, hey, man, you did it. Um, But another person... Um, said that a few weeks after the victim's death and uh, it being all over TV, he was drunk with some friends and he had screamed out that he had already killed one of his ex-wife's lovers with a rope and then bragged about it and kept talking about it. And, and somebody said, yeah, he said he killed him with a rope or a tie cord, I can't remember. And he testified on stand about it too. Um, It wasn't until September 2007 that he was found guilty. Um, He had petitioned for a retrial. I believe they tried it again and he was found guilty again. Um, So the courts upheld his 25 years in jail. Um, And Bala still gives interviews and still says he's working on another book. Um, Mm -hmm. And he he continues to mock the detectives, the investigation, the courts. Um, but a lot of people are like, dude, he, he fucked up. Like the police didn't, he did. Um, so.
1: dude, um, you're the one in jail, bruh.
2: Yeah, he told, he told, uh, on an interview that he, uh, the detectives were brainless, this jellyfish and the uh detective on one of the interviews said he likes to play himself a victim of an oppressive police force <laughs>
1: uh-huh. he's a drama queen
2: he is a drama queen
1: um also and, according to him he's a drama queen who got caught by brainless jellyfish so and it's it's so <sighs> stupid
2: because like his blog um uh, like his book wasn't being sold at all um, oh, no. but he just kept putting like updates on his blog, um, while he was traveling about like excerpts, like buy the book and you can get this. And according to everything I read it's just like hardcore pornography and like sexual sadism is the whole book.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
2: And, um, oh, another thing that got him caught, um, that crime TV show. 997. Um, the detectives were alerted that, hey, we've had these comments about this murder for a while now. Um, so we have the IP numbers of these emails and stuff. So they ended up tracing the IP numbers and um, every, like all the IP addresses lined up with where Bala was traveling around the world right after he had moved. So he had traveled around Asia, he lived in Australia, did scuba diving, and he moved to the United States and each one popped up. Every <laughs> time he moved in a new place, he would message the crime show 997 to keep it fucking relevant. And he, he gave himself away several times. Like it's, he
1: wanted to get credit for it at some point.
2: Yeah, like I think it could have been like the perfect murder. If he, I mean, not really, but it he could have gotten away with it.
1: If he didn't brag about it to other people and write a fucking novel that mentions things similar to it and uh, call in tips to the, he gave them everything they fucking needed. Yeah, and and like a lot of that was circumstantial, but like all,
2: all of it, yeah. Yeah. yeah and oh oh i will say back to him eating the paper in the um uh interrogation room mm-hmm. so he really did confess to the crime and say yes i did it i killed him um i'm guilty now take me in so they're like Fuck yeah we finally got this guy this is crazy and this is only, like, two years in the investigation, which ended up being, like, five years long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he can't, he confessed, and they brought him into the confession room because they didn't have him on recording. Um, but they had multiple witnesses of him saying, yes, I did it. Um, he ended up um, saying, yes, I did it. When they got him into the room, they got out the papers for him to sign and, like, him to write out in, in his words what happened. They said he started, like, shaking. He started, um, like, tapping the pen erratically on the desk and, like, moving around and staring in the corners and, like, looked like a, like a wild animal. And he kept picking up the phone and mouthing things. And they were like, what the fuck? And he's like, I need an ambulance. So they actually called the ambulance um, I think they took him to the hospital or they just checked him out in the ambulance, but they determined like, hey, this isn't a medical emergency. There's no reason why you can't finish this um, interrogation. So they put him back in the room and then he's like, bitches, I law you're up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he just like kept he just kept fucking with people like the whole time even though he had like admitted to it to several people um oh god he was just such a dick like yeah he, he fucked himself uh, like he can't he still doesn't admit to it he still says he's an innocent man he's just a, a great writer um, and the And he was that. he was upset that he wasn't allowed to reference his book in court.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like.
2: Aww. Yeah, so Aww. the judge, the judge was like, no, the book's irrelevant because we can't use it as evidence. And like stop referencing your book. And he like got visibly upset in the courtroom, like super pissed, like that he wasn't able to like point out an excerpt in the book. Uh, um in the police I wrote actually
1: the greatest <laughs> Polish novel. Yeah. I'll have you know.
2: Yeah, and the detective um he did go off of the blog, but he also went off of like evidence. I mean, the blog did give him a lot of clues, um, but really didn't solve the case. It's really, I think he did a really good job of detective work, like finding out the IP addresses and all that, like the, the phone. It took a little bit, um, but every time he'd present his case or like evidence, they're like, it's not enough. So he kept having to go back and get more evidence. And I think it was just him and, like, two other people in this case, I believe. That's... Those are and only, like, three people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, he really did have that goat skull on the wall. And that was his. And, and he did have, like, a shitty little room to do his detective work. Um, and he kept that Skull on the wall, and he said it reminded him of a hunter catching prey, because he was he was the hunter. Um,
1: yeah, I I saw that
2: interview. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a t- couple of interviews. Some of them were in Polish. I just like watched just to get like body language from people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bala was just like always arrogant little fuck. He's just uh, he looks like a mouse.
1: He does. He's very mousy.
2: Yeah, he's very mousy. Um,
1: um, yeah. Movie, movie star version him was slightly more attractive, but also... Yeah. Like-
2: weirdly attractive.
1: Weirdly attractive, yes. I mean, I will
2: say, I think the weirdly attractive man was the, the cop that had all those issues. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he- boy, I like your baggage. <laughs> I know, right?
1: Also, like, dangerous, <laughs> oh. sexy... I saw a picture of him when he's younger, and he's he cleans up nicely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was like, dang. Because I was looking at, at
1: him, too. I was like, dang, he's kind of cute. Yeah. In a weird way. He he's like big, piercing, blue eyes, blonde hair. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, and that lady is uh, Christian Ball, his ex-wife in the movie. She's like, I like older men. I'm like, me too, lady.
1: i was just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, we all know how I feel about... James Spader. Oh yes, I was about to say James Spader. <laughs> uh, but Did he in- tip his fedora? Do you? No, I'm sure. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Give it to me, red. Oh yes. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, so, um, I found like whenever I was doing research for for this um case, there was another one, um, sort of like it um it was a chinese man did you read that the it's Uh, called the guilty
1: secret no i did not read that
2: so i think we should cover this but i don't know if there's a movie about it right now um
1: that's kind of the key thing there
2: i know but there's like two (laughs) books on it i don't know if there's there may be a movie i haven't googled it um
1: well, I mean, we could maybe do a Patreon episode or something.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seemed, it's crazy because this Chinese writer, uh, Lu Yangbao, he had written this book called The Guilty Secret. And oh, my then, God. Okay.
1: I do know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. He write. it's
2: like a female author who – she's like a writer – and she had killed a bunch of people, and like never got caught. And it ended up that the writer of the book wrote his crimes too. The same okay. thing. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, send me links to that, and we'll talk about it more off the pod.
2: Yeah. So that reminded me of that and the Dexter uh, catfish killer.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, someone else that we're definitely going to cover as well. Um, okay, so I think that about wraps up that portion, huh? So, uh, Mo, what have you been doing in your free time?
2: I've been crafting.
1: Oh, yeah, I've been crafting.
2: I watch. I'm watching that. Um, uh the hot cherry, f- new hot cherry. New-
1: Brand new cherry flavor?
2: Yeah, brand new cherry flavor. It's really good. No spoilers, please, because I'm I'm still only on, like, episode three or four.
1: Don't worry. I finished it, and I pledge not to talk about it until you're done.
2: It's so good. But I've been crafting. I um finally broke out a bunch of stuff that I've been collecting over the years. I had this, like, giant craft box, and I literally pick up, like, washers and shit on the ground all the time and I put them in jars so I broke out all my jars of like broken jewelry and stuff and I made a really cool fairy door with like moss and popsicle sticks and it it was really fun
1: it's cute I've seen it It yeah uh, yeah I like it
2: um I burnt myself so much with that fucking glue gun oh my god oh no (laughs) I burned my fingers so i think
1: i have a scar from hot glue somewhere
2: oh dang no mine wasn't that bad um but yeah hot glue gone hot people
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so danger, what is your danger
2: what have you been up to
1: mm, i've been up to a few different things since we last recorded
2: it's getting ready for um, spooky time what getting ready for spooky time spooky season
1: uh you know, you know me. I'm spooky year round. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I literally watch horror movies year round all the time, almost every day. Uh, it is how I relax. I'm a weirdo. I also fall asleep to true crime podcasts. <laughs> it's just how I am. Um, so, yeah, it's always spooky time for me. But, no, I've been playing video games, as I always do. I finished Myst. Um so that was fun. I think that's the first time I've actually ever beat Mist because I don't think I did as a kid at all.
2: Yeah, I didn't.
1: Well, it was cool. Um, it's actually really short uh, once you know how to solve the puzzles. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, it was yeah, fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I felt smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, you uh, are I'll, smart. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I try to be humble, though. Um, (laughs) Yeah, not like uh, Bala over here. Yeah, I'm no Christian Bala. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, no, I've been playing Grounded a lot. I got really into Grounded. If you don't know what Grounded is, it is basically uh, open-world survival craft uh, in the setting of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You're like a tiny little teenager, and you're in a backyard and um you know everything is terrifying because you're tiny
2: oh that's cool it's like a giant ant you can ride
1: uh you can't ride the ants they're not like you're not that tiny um you're like around the same size as an ant i guess um you kill like weevils and shit to eat
2: can you like bounce on mushrooms
1: um, you can't bounce on mushrooms, but you can build with mushrooms, and you. Can oh, that's them. so cool! You can make like mushroom bricks. Oh, uh-huh. you said you can eat them? Yeah, you can eat them too.
2: Is psilocybin in the game?
1: No, no. <laughs> it's it's uh, <laughs> family just a family. Kid friendly. just starts tripping face. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's family friendly. Um, you the scariest thing in the game is there are wolf spiders. Ugh. Oh. And orb weavers, and they screech like a cat when they see oh, you, and it's fucking like terrifying. And they're huge compared to you, <laughs> um, and they kill you in like two hits if you don't have like super upgraded armor and shit. Um, so
2: it's like a, a giant in Skyrim.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. fling
2: you across the world.
1: You, well, it's it has better, uh, better mechanics than than that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, They actually had the option to keep that, but people kind of liked it, so they kept that glitch in, Bethesda did.
2: (laughs) It's so fucking great.
1: (laughs) I know. Um, But yeah, so it's a fun game. um, Because the night is dark and full of chairs, and I am um, fan of heart when I'm in a video game. Like I love being scared in video games, because it's way more heart-pounding than watching a horror film. And let's face it, I'm dead inside at this point. Um, so, uh, yeah. (laughs) I'm dead at this point. Well, you know. I feel you. Yeah, I'm very numb to all the things I've seen. Are you comfortably numb? I am always comfortably (laughs) numb. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. Um, yeah, so, uh, I've just been, I made a tower. Not a tower. I made a road in the sky, basically, so that I don't have to risk running for my life from a wolf spider every now and then. So
2: you built a ladder
1: to heaven? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kind of. It's not that high. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's like a skyway that I can travel across the map to, like, POIs that are important without uh, having to be on guard all the time.
2: What are caterpillars like?
1: There aren't caterpillars. There are grubs. Oh. You have to, like, dig them up, and sometimes they're a larva, and the larva attack. The grubs don't.
2: And huh. then,
1: then you just have a shovel in your hand. So you, you quickly switch to something outside of the shovel.
2: You have <laughs> weapons?
1: Yeah, you can make weapons out of things. If you kill, like, and they ha- there's levels of weapons, too, so, like, you can make one out of pebbles, and that's, like, your base level one, and you make, like, a hammer and an axe, and you can chop grass and build. And then, uh, you can, after you kill, like, a spider and, uh, you know, some, like, bombardier beetles and stink bugs, you, uh, can make upgraded weapons that are stronger and kill things faster. And then, uh, things aren't scary anymore.
2: And Hope then you're you the don't d- come across a cat.
1: <laughs> oh, no. See, there's nothing that big. There's a crow that flies around. Ooh, love has, crows. Yeah, but he doesn't really, like, interact with you. Oh, not, okay. There's a giant koi fish that can kill you and the um, pond. Um, but yeah, no, it's fun. I'm uh, just building a lot because uh, I use that as a relaxing thing in between moments of sheer terror. <laughs> uh, it's a great time. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's available on Xbox uh, Game Pass if you have an Xbox.
2: I have... I do. Andrew does. My Xbox is, like, Xbox One.
1: No, mine is, too. Um, mine's an Xbox One S.
2: Oh. No, mine's not an S. It's just Xbox One. Um, uh, I have
1: I have a uh, newer model than that. But not. I don't have the brand new one that's, like, still sold out everywhere.
2: Yeah, I know. We don't have that either.
1: Uh, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> <laughs> Unless <laughs> I mean, you're... do, but... Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> oh, <Or> Nico <Burnham. laughs>
2: Yeah, don't. Please don't. We can't afford it.
1: We love you, (laughs) though. Yeah, so I also finished Brand New Cherry Flavor, and what else have I watched? I've really only watched movies for the podcast. I I watched uh, the movie that we're doing next week, uh, which is Frenzy.
2: Oh, yeah, still need to watch that.
1: It's pretty good. It's a little slow at first, but then it kind of hit... It hits the ground running and snowballs. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I ended up kind of liking it. Uh, I
2: swear I've seen that movie. The Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've seen it.
1: Well, a rewatch would still be good. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just in case. I have to watch it. <laughs> I
1: know. I know. Um, Yeah, what else did I do? Oh! Oh, the other big thing I was going to talk about. I have been following two big cases in the news like a hawk. Oh, yeah. Like, I think everyone in America is. Honestly, at least if you're a true crime fan, you've been following this probably. Yeah. And that is the Gabby Petito case and the Murdoch murders in South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, So... Yeah, so Gabby Padillo, this actually just, I just found this out while we were on break. Uh, so they found her body.
2: Well, they found a body, right?
1: They found a body that is consistent with her description, which is very specific because she has tattoos. Yeah, yeah. So they pretty much found her body. Allegedly. Well, it came from... It's I'm been, just well, saying. Well, Allegedly, it's not confirmed, confirmed, but it's been reported by reputable news sources.
2: Like yeah, New we're York just Times.
1: not going to be like the Boston bomber
2: case.
1: No, we're not going to declare that she's definitely dead, but they did find a body that looks remarkably like her.
2: Yeah. It's
1: likely that she has passed.
2: It's very probable that it's her body.
1: Yeah, it's highly probable that it's her body. Uh, you know. It's so sad. It's super sad. Um, I think the boyfriend did it for sure.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like
2: how was... the family came out and was like, he is not missing. He is on the run. Please stop saying he's missing.
1: Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um. So, and the Murdoch murders are wild. So, it's this prominent lawyer. Basically, he resigned from his law firm because he had been embezzling money. And then in June, his wife and son were murdered, and uh, now he uh, survived a gunshot wound, and they thought that someone was trying to kill him, but it turns out he hired a man to kill him because he thought that uh, if he killed himself, his son wouldn't get the insurance payout. <sighs> That's crazy. This, this guy is such a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. There's apparently other murders that have been, like, covered up by his family. Um, there's a great podcast if you want to listen, like, more about this. It's called the Murdoch Murders Podcast. Um, check it out. It's great. Um, yeah, because I cannot do it justice because there's so many wild details to this case.
2: Yeah, yes, it's all over the place.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy. Both Both stories are really wild, I feel like. Uh yeah, so that's really all I've been up to. Um so I guess we're going to uh like I just said a minute ago. We're doing frenzy with uh my friend Ally. Uh next week, I don't know how she wants to um be presented to the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if she wants to say her last name or not, so I'm just going to call her Ally by now, for now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so LA, uh, we're going to cover Frenzy with Allie next time, guys. And that is versus uh, John Christie, the depraved killer of 10 Rillington Place. Yes. Yes. Uh, so join us for that uh, next time. You have anything to add, Mo? Uh, stay Spooky. sure yeah Um,
2: that's that's all
1: yeah keep those uh keep those creepy vibes man
2: yeah just creep it up just
1: creep uh, oh creep
2: (laughs) yeah do the creep or the what's the um shit the director uh, uh, oh my god he -hmm. says look down Close your eyes. Now, like, tilt your head down. Look up at the camera. What is that? The stare.
1: Oh. Uh, damn. I can't remember. Ah, uh,
2: I'll remember Sorry. it later. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, you know what I'm talking about. Just do creepy stares at people, okay?
1: Yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, what's his name in Psycho? Yeah. Norman Bates. Norman
2: Bates. Do the Norman Bates
1: through the Norman Bates.
2: Just don't, don't kill your mom and dress in her clothes and then kill random women at your hotel, though.
1: Yeah, you can dress in your clothes, but don't kill random women women at your hotel.
2: Yeah, and don't kill your mom. No. She uh, made you.
1: Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless your mom tries to kill you and it's absolutely self-defense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah. like, the only time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or she's like, or you're in one of those countries where assisted suicide is legal, and she's like,
2: terminally ill.
1: Terminally ill, yeah.
2: Yeah, but it wouldn't be murder.
1: Well, I know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, don't don't kill your mom. Bye no, guys. No, bye. <laughs>